Good evening, everybody. It is Jay Scott. This is the Hook Rocks, the ultimate rock community podcast. Hope you're doing well. Hope you're staying safe. Hope you're doing your part and to help uh, move everything forward so we can all heal up and get past this. Wear your mask. Stay six feet apart. Don't go into large crowds. Don't have COVID parties. That's kind of like a new thing now where people find someone that's got the symptoms and tested positive and they all go over there to see if the COVID coronavirus is actually real. It's kind of like this uh, weird hoaxy type of thing. But nevertheless, we're approaching the middle of July and hopefully sooner rather than later we're able to move on and carry on and go see some live music, go out and about like we were before or at least hopefully close to it. I don't know if there's ever going to be the normal that we knew. It's going to be a new normal, and whatever that is, we just don't know. But we're here for you, and we've got a new episode of the New Music Spotlight. was exposed to this band a few weeks ago, and they just kind of they blew me away. It's labeled stoner rock, and you guys know how I hate subgenres, but that's what it is, but it's mostly just good time rock and roll, and like to welcome the vocalist and guitar player Shane Sherman from the band Bad Guys Win. What's going on, Shane? How are you? Hey, Jay. How's it going? I'm doing good. How are you? I'm good, man. I'm good. I'm, I'm uh, happy you joined us. Like I said, I was just exposed to you guys a few weeks back and was really impressed. Love the sound. Love the tunes. You guys got you know, your new release out, Cowards, and just happy to have you on the show. Oh, yeah, I'm happy to be here. Well, as we begin every episode, when we have a first-time guest, we always ask the same question, and that is the essence of the show, which is just like every rock song has a hook that sucks you in, every rock fan has a moment, whether it's a band, a performance, an album, or song, that hooked you on rock and roll. What was it for you? Uh, For me, it was watching... Uh, we have much music here in Canada, which is just like MTV, or we did. And uh, turning that on when I was maybe 10, 9 years old, and seeing the video for Black Hole Sun by Soundgarden. Yeah, what a moment. What a song, what a voice. What was it about Black yeah, Hole absolutely. Sun that, uh, that resonated with you, that connected with you? Uh, well, the video was definitely really visually tripped me out when I was a little kid. I'd never seen anything like it. Um, and that would be now listening to Soundgarden. That's probably one of my, you know, one of the, I, I probably skipped that song because I've heard it so many times, but, uh, at the time it was really very catchy and I, I, uh, I just found it very interesting. Where did it go from there? I mean, you mentioned, you know, Soundgarden, obviously the voice, Chris Cornell, you know, influenced so many people. The band influenced so many people, but where did your musical journey go after that? Uh, I mentioned I have two older brothers that are uh, one's 10 years older than me and one's 8 years older than me, so this is uh, in the in the mid-90s. Um, so when I mentioned that I discovered this, they knew what it was, and they had the, they had the album, so they, you know, they were excited that I was getting into music. And so they would show me other bands like Alice in Chains or Nirvana or anything else that they were listening to that was, you know, uh, pretty popular at the time. 
but you know also hard rock and uh, really interesting cool music and where you know where the journey continued when was the moment that you wanted to play music sing music uh, it was pretty pretty soon after that after I started really getting into music and discovering how into these new bands and sounds I was, I started trying to replicate it myself. Um, I think I got my first acoustic guitar around 11, uh, and I just kind of fooled around with that, but it wasn't really what I was looking for. Like I really wanted to make an electric guitar sound. And when I was uh, 14 or 15, I started getting, yeah, I started going to high school and met some new kids and some of them were into the same music and had instruments. And so we'd start jamming, uh, like playing around with metal and hard rock and stuff. Uh, and then I was usually just singing cause I was poor and you know, that was what cheaper instrument than your own voice. Uh, and then when I was 16, I got, uh, for a present, uh, I guess like a cheap Epiphone guitar and a little, um, tiny amp and I just went to went to town on that thing in my bedroom and kept playing and writing uh, for hours and hours and hours a day. Was the intent to one day perform? Oh, absolutely. Uh, I like being on stage. I didn't necessarily always want to be the vocalist and guitar player, but I, I love songwriting. Um, I just kind of fell into the role of singing and playing guitar because they're, you know, I'm from a small town. There's not too many people here that uh, that want to do the same kind of music that we do. You mentioned Black Hole Sun and the effect that it had on you. And you're talking about writing music, and you're talking about you know picking up a guitar, wanting to perform. When you talk about writing music, what was or was there a song that? outside of Black Hole Sun that first connected you with you, but was there a song or a lyricist or a band that the music resonated with you that, hey, you know, I want to write a song too. I think I can do that. I can arrange, you know, a song and put a song together. I want to do that. Was there a moment for you that led you down that path? Uh, well, I, I, uh, I learned how to play the song Got Me Wrong by Allison Chains. It was one of the first covers that I learned. Uh, got me wrong in Rooster. They were they're, they're fairly easy songs to play, um, but getting the dexterity down to play and sing, and I'm talking like we're talking. I'm 16 years old here. I'm just learning. I'm just you know getting my footing with with both. Uh, but once I kind of understood that I could coordinate my hands with my voice and and learn the two different parts. Uh, that's when I became interesting, interested in like, Hey, I can, I, you know, I could do this. I can, I could write a simple song like this. And then, uh, I just kind of worked at that. And, you know, the initial stuff that you do when you're kids, it's, you know, it's not good or anybody, any means, but you show your friends at parties or, uh, you play live, uh, you know, we played some shows at the school and stuff. Um, but yeah, you know, that early stuff is what gets you where you uh, eventually uh, can write a song and be confident with it. The new album is Cowards. 
by the band Bad Guys Win. We have Shane Sherman on our new music spotlight. What's the history of Bad Guys Win? What uh, you know? Where did you guys come from? How did you guys form? Uh, well, we live in a town in British Columbia called uh, Grand Forks. We're about six hours uh, east of Vancouver. Um, that that would be the most major city close to us. But uh, you know, it's a small population town. Uh, all the members in this in, our, in this group were previously in. Uh, progressive metal band called Flag Duster. We did that for the last ten years. Uh, it's still, it's still around. We're, we're not a. Uh, it's more on the back burner right now. And we, you know, just put a lot of time into that. Decided one day, you know, like let's let's see something else. Let's let's see something a little a little less uh, intense and more about songwriting rather than intricate guitar playing and musicianship and get back to like the music we grew up listening to and you know create some some catchy rock and roll uh, and just have a good time doing it you know going from a progressive style in the previous band that you mentioned to a as you guys call it a grunge revival yeah. what was the decision because those are you know I mean they're they're not really close in terms of style of music you know when people think progressive they think of bands like yes and they think of bands like rush and you know obviously grunge you know we've talked about Soundgarden, Alice in Chains you know was that always kind of like in your influences as you guys you know with the other band or you know was this just something that kept growing and growing as you guys were playing progressive music uh it, you know like we we go with the term grunge um, just because it's kind of an umbrella statement for the people that are interested in those kind of bands, uh, will check us out. We don't, it, we don't necessarily think that's just all we are. So the bands that we've been listening to and were influenced by when we were in a metal band could be anything from Red Hot Chili Peppers to Morbid Angel. So that kind of applies with us now. Um, inspiration can come from anywhere. Uh, it's just, it's just that we love music, and we want to make music that we like. Um, it's just that so happens right now we're making music that's not as intense and as heavy, and there's no screaming going on. What is the process of making the music? You know, with you guys. I mean, what you know, you obviously have the new album out, the debut album. I mean, is it same as the other band? You know, what, you know, how do you guys fuse all that stuff together when you guys are bringing all different influences? Obviously, you have the progressive history. You know, you're going from a very, you know, intricate style of music to a very simplistic style of music. So how does that all come together when you're recording? Uh, so typically, I'll, I'll, read, I'll do a lot of writing at home just on my acoustic, uh, acoustic guitar. And so... When I'm writing on the acoustic, it kind of allows me to work on melodies and um, just more of the actual song itself rather than thinking about the um, live aspect, like how big the drums are going to be or, you know, what kind of crunch is going to be on the guitar. Um, so then I'll take that to the jam space, to uh, our drummer, Zach, and our bassist, um, Alex. And, you know, typically they'll 
here, here are my riffs. We'll work on it part by part. Uh, Zach will come up with, with a beat, and as the rhythm section, we'll just kind of work on it together, whether it's, it's Alex coming up with something, or, and they kind of flesh out their ideas to work around my um, already existing part. And then, you know, the song happens, you guys play it. I mean, I mean, how do you decide which song makes it? I mean, is this, you know, do people bringing ideas and you know, collaborating? How does that all work with Bad Guys Win? Uh, well, we wanted, to ma- we wanted to make a big, long first statement. So cowards were like, let's, let's do it like they would have, you know, let's make a big album that someone can put the headphones on and, you know, each song's going to be a little bit different. It's going to, it's going to arrange them in a way that's like, um, you're going to get what we want you to hear after the, the, after the previous song. So it's kind of a, uh, laid out, it's mapped out to, to take you to peaks and valleys. Um, but as far as, you know, putting everything together, it's, it comes, comes pretty easy to us. Like, well, uh, if somebody has a bad idea, we're, we're not afraid to tell each other. So that'll instantly get mixed, and we'll just work together to come up with something better. Now, you guys have the label Stoner Rock um, you know, attached to your music, and I've had a few bands that have similar, you know, the 1,000 Mods from Greece, Lachinga, who's near the Ban- Vancouver area as well. How do you guys feel about that tag? How do you feel about that subgenre being labeled like that? Uh, I mean, I'm not really one for for labels. I understand that you know it helps people um, get, find music that they're looking for that they're interested in. Uh, I like a lot of stoner rock. Like uh, Caius is a big influence for us, and you know they're kind of the forefathers of that. So whatever people want to call us, whether it's grunge or stoner or just rock and roll. I mean, it really doesn't matter to me. You know, when you talk about the current state of rock music, which is a constant theme and topic here on the hook rocks, we have talked about too many subgenres, right? To me, you know, growing up, it was rock, hard rock, heavy metal, thrash, punk rock. And then of course you had pop rock, so there really wasn't a lot of labels in terms of, you know, where bands fit in the big giant puzzle of music and everything. And, you know, new metal came along and that was a new subgenre. And of course, you know, then people started labeling bands progress or prog rock or whatnot. Do you feel that that helps bands or do you think it, you know, hurts the cause? Because, you know, if someone's coming along looking for new music, and they have all these subgenres to choose from. Does it, you know, do you think it becomes overwhelming for that fan to kind of pick and choose what they want to listen to, or do you think it has any bearing effect at all? Uh, I think it can. I think it can help. I mean, if somebody's super into alien space bathtub metal, and that's all they like, and that's obscure you know, ridiculous genre that doesn't exist. But if that's what they're into and they go and search that, they're going to find it. So when we 
relate ourselves to bands like Elton Chains or Corrosion uh, of Conformity or Soundgarden, you know, those three bands might have similar aspects to the music, but they, they, they sound totally different. But if you enjoy those bands, you know, we're influenced by them. And we feel like, you know, we're, we're kind of going down the same path. So um, for some people, I mean, if they're looking for something specific, that's great, like go for it. But I think just saying something's rock and roll or, or hard rock or metal or, you know, rap or hip hop, you, you get the idea with the, with the, with the blanket kind of statements like that. Yeah, I mean, I see your point, you know, I mean, it, you know, it's an often been debated here on the show is, you know, because we talk a lot about the state of rock and roll and what is holding it back, you know, we can talk about infrastructure, you could talk about connection with young fans, you know, subgenres, does it help or does it hurt, you know, no radio format, no outlet for new music. You know, there's a lot to dig into in that topic. And, you know, from time to time it does come up. And I've asked, you know, like Carl from Lachinga and Labros G from 1000 Mods. You know, we had similar discussions as well because they're kind of rolled into that stoner rock genre. They all embrace it. And, and they've, you know, Carl told me that, you know, when you have festivals that are designated or stoner rock type bands. It definitely does help get you on a bill. It definitely does help get your name out there. And maybe that's, you know, a good thing about subgenres. Do you feel the same way about that? Sure. Uh, yeah. I think that, especially <clears throat> when you mentioned the uh, getting on the bill, I mean, a lot of times if somebody's into a type of music and you're playing with similar bands, then absolutely it's, it's great for that cross promotion because there's a good chance that they're going to enjoy you as well. Uh, I've been to lots of festivals where there's all types of bands too and different types of acts and you know those are cool but um, when I'm really going to find something new or, or even just going to a show and being surprised by a band you're like wow man this, these guys are killer I you know I, I wouldn't even check them out if they weren't playing with you know whoever you're paying to see so I definitely you know I think it's, it's cool to play uh, with bands that are considered in your genre um, I just think that that could be a, a lot. It doesn't necessarily just have to be stoner bands playing with stoner bands. It could be, uh, you know, a hard rock band playing with, a, you know, more of an indie band even. Um, but it's all good. I like I like diversity in my music. So yeah, absolutely, I do too. Um, so the videos that you guys have, Honey Bucket, Line and myself, Neil Beach, are all very unique. Are all different, but. I, I was just, you can't take your eyes off I me, mean, especially lying to myself, Needle Beach. I mean, like I couldn't take my eyes off the video. Was that something that you guys created as well? Was that something, that, you know, that you guys decided to go with in terms of kind of like this, uh, you know, different style of kind of telling a story visually? For sure. Um, we, we're trying to do the most interesting things that we can uh, within our means. So, you know, if we're going to, shoot a live video or uh, you know a music video and perform it like let's put some alien dancing around like morons and drinking beers or you know if we're going to do a lot like with lines myself uh, that's all animated and shot by our friend Dan Brand and uh, Vancouver who works for City Zero his company City Zero and it's like well you can shoot us in a room and you know maybe 
put some effects on it. But you know, when he comes up with that, comes up with an idea like, why don't we take some of the artwork from the album and you know incorporate it into the video? It's like, yeah, man, let's let's take that idea and give us as much as you can. Like, let's make this visually as appealing as possible. Uh, so definitely, we with within our budget and our means, we want to make things as interesting and put the most uh, creative ideas out there for for anything that we do. And how was that? You know, where did you guys come up with the ideas? You know, how was that collaborative effort? You know, where did it begin? Was there kind of like, you know, for each song, did you have an idea already? Or, you know, did it just come from as the song was written? Or after it was done, you kind of had this vision? Where did that all come from? Uh, well, a lot of it was, well, for Honey Bucket and, and Lying to Myself, those are both done with, with uh, City Zero. So I sent Dan the songs and I kind of told him what they were, you know, he, he, he asked me, you know, what, what the inspiration just so he could get a vision, uh, like a director's vision for it. And, uh, you know, he had some ideas. He, he came up with a couple of concepts for us. I, I picked what, well, the band went through them and, you know, we're like, okay, this is cool. This isn't. And just, uh, conversed with him back and forth. And, uh, you know, kind of worked on it together and talked it out. Uh, for Honey Bucket, that's the guy acting in it. That's my, uh, one of my good friends, Pat. He even plays in a band called x out in Vancouver. And, uh, we knew going into that video, you know, what the storyline was going to be. And, uh, I knew I needed someone that could really act it out. And, uh, he just happens to be a great actor who's also a friend did for free and he nailed it. It took a lot of, took a lot of guts to play that character in that video, especially at the end. Uh, and he did a fantastic job. Yeah, for all my listeners out there, if you haven't checked out Bad Guys Win videos, they're extraordinary. They're very different. Um, they really kind of do push the envelope a little bit. And if you have the chance to check out Honey Bucket, which I think was the last video that you did, right? And then uh, Lying to Myself and Needle Beach, I think you'll enjoy. I think you'll find them entertaining and definitely different. And, you know, there's some fun in, in, in it too as well, right? I mean, it's got to have that, you know, it, it, it's not as serious as some other videos. And it kind of, but it kind of keeps you peaked. It kind of keeps you interested while you hear the song too as well. And that's important these days because people listen with their eyes just as much as they listen to the, with their ears. For sure, yeah, we like to uh, we like to ride the line of you know keeping things serious, but also you know enough enough fun and just I guess it's a, a line of, of being weird or just kind of offset. You know, it's the music. It's it's not meant to be a a joke, and the lyrics are typically pretty serious. But um, we want to make sure that it gives you the, it gives you some sort of feeling of like, yeah, like what's going on here. I don't know if this is funny or sad or both. And that's, you know, whatever you want to interpret it as, right? I mean, you know, that's up to the person watching, which is which is pretty cool because everyone has their own interpretation of it, you know, the way they view it, whatever they're going through their days, they may have, they may feel something different about it, and that's what's really cool about the music. And with the videos, it gives them the ability to do that as well. Totally. And that's what art is in general. It's, it's all your interpretation. That's what I like about it. I mean, people can 
be as specific as they want, but if it means something to you at a specific moment in time, then, you know, you can have that be yours and, and keep it that way. Yeah, absolutely. What is next for bad guys when you guys have the album out obviously you know there's a global pandemic out there was there plans to get this on the road or you know you mentioned with your other band is this just something that is a side project that kind of keep kept you guys busy during this downtime well i want to tour as much as possible and that was our plan with this record was you know start start playing more live shows um use the kind of the momentum that we're getting from the online stuff and take it to the live venue and perform and, and get out as much as possible. Now the focus has become more, you know, doing things like this, like talking to you, uh, doing as much online, um, stuff as we could. We were lucky that we shot those videos that we could stagger them. And, and, you know, we released our album, uh, April 10th, which is, right around when everything started getting crazy. So basically for us, it's just uh, online, talk, talking about the record, getting trying people, getting like-minded people trying to listen to it. And for us now, we're writing again. And, you know, taking this time to really start focusing on the new record, whenever that's going to come out, and, you know, kind of putting a, a rush on that, uh, which is, great because writing is one of the funnest parts of the whole thing yeah absolutely you know and from talking with a lot of bands you know during this downtime some have been creative and used this time to make new music others have found it difficult to get inspired you know when you're in the same four walls and you're not doing much except pretty much the same thing every day it's hard to be inspired it's hard to get you know, some sort of motivation to write a song. Have, how have you felt during this time? Uh, I'm creativity for me is not a problem. I, I feel like I don't get enough hours in the day to, to play guitar or, uh, or write. I, I've just, or paint or, or anything. I, uh, I, that's really easy for me. Um, inspiration comes from all kinds of like books or movies or, you know, just, people that I know, uh, stories that I hear. So I'm, I'm constantly wanting to create and able to, uh, so when something as, um, when something like the quarantine comes up and I'm stuck with my thoughts or I spend more time at home, uh, yeah, it's, it's, there's no distraction for me. It just, it comes going out. Yeah. That's interesting. Cause everyone, it affects everybody different. And, you know, like I said, there are people that are writing like you who have no problem finding that inspiration, you know, whether it's them reading books or just, you know, observing what's happening in the world, they find inspiration in that. And then there's others that, you know, need to have something different in their life each day or need to have something that doesn't feel like a routine for them to be inspired. And there's no right or wrong on it. It's just, this quarantine has exposed that in which individual you are, you know, do you need that constant, you know, movement or can you get by without it? And it's just interesting who can and who cannot. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. You're set on. It's going to affect everybody differently. 
And I guess, you know, in terms of when you're allowed to start playing again, I don't know what it's like out in Canada. Here, it seems like there's going to be delays. There's going to be a, a ripple effect of small clubs maybe not being able to make it. We're talking about maybe being at 25% capacity or 50% capacity. No one really knows what the future holds for live music here in the States. What's it like there in Canada? It's pretty well the same, man. Uh, nobody really knows. We're not seeing anything yet. Um, and I don't, I, I couldn't even tell you when things are going to start getting back to normal. I hope it's soon. I mean, I'm sure everyone does, but uh, I, it's, it's just a mystery at this point. Yeah, it, that's the unfortunate thing because no one really does know what the future is going to be. You know, there's already tours, the bigger tours that have been postponed to 2021. I don't know if that is an indication of where things are going, but when you look at the rise in cases here in the states, which are going up instead of going down, and we're in July, and you know, fall is not too far away. You know, will there be live music here in the States at all in 2020? Uh, it's kind of leaning towards a no on that. I know Canada's handled things much differently. What's the word there? Do they anticipate stuff opening up towards the end of the year, or is it still unknown? I I can't answer that for sure. I mean, things are slowly changing here. Like, there's you can visit a restaurant in our town or like in, in most of British Columbia, you know, you can go shopping and um, it's just about being considerate. And, um, you know, we're not, we're, we're seeing numbers decline, but uh, there's just no, there's just, there's just no clarity on what the future holds yet for us. Or I don't think for any, for many places. Yeah, we have this uh, organization here called Save the Stages, which is, you know, the intent to help some of these smaller clubs get some bailout, you know, from the government. You know, we had here when mm-hmm. the fir- when the pandemic first started, there was bailouts for a lot of larger corporations, and then there was some small business loan incentives for you to get, and it just seems like the small clubs have been forgotten about. And they affect a lot, right? I mean, they have people that work there, so there's jobs that, you know, haven't been able to come back yet because people haven't been able to work at those clubs. Um, also, you know, for music, it's, you know, it's a lifeline for a band. I mean, a lot of bands can't play certain amount, you know, cedars that, you know, are 10,000 or 15,000, or obviously if they can't play that, they can't play the big ones. So those small clubs are great for music fans who want to see up-and-coming bands or you know, artists from yesterday that are putting together, you know, music still today. And also for bands that are trying to get exposure who, you know, need those or, and, and find those small clubs vital to, you know, their future. So that's always interesting too as well, how that's all going to play out. I mean, we're, there's talk about the Troubadour in Hollywood not making it, you know, because they're not affiliated with a House of Blues conglomerate or Live Nation or whatever it is. So, you know, as a music fan like myself who likes to go see live music, and I usually go to about 20 to 30 shows a year, I haven't been able to go to one. And, you know, what's it going to be like once this is over? So, you know, we all got our fingers crossed. We're all trying to 
see if there's any help that can be had for these small clubs and bars where these bands play. We just don't know if it's going to happen. And it sounds like, you know, Canada, who has a plethora of new bands, you know, whether it's you guys or, you know, a band like Crownlands or other bands that I've had on the show too as well. It's just, you know, what are the, where are these bands going to be able to play at once this is over if these places don't survive? For sure. I mean, those small clubs that you're talking about, those bars, that those are the places that we play. Yeah. Um, those are the places that we've been driving across for hours and hours and hours across this giant country to get to. Uh, and bands our size, um, we work day jobs, obviously. Um, it's not bands our size that work or the big bands that have played the stadium. It's the, it's the bands that rely on their income through playing those venues that are going to really suffer from it. And, and those venues. And I love those venues, man. I love... I love the live bar setting, the live club setting. I love the character that they have and everyone's different. You know, there's been hundreds of bands through there and there's a history. Uh, and I, I would hate to see those places die. Those, those are amazing historic places in many cases. And they really are the backbone of live music. I mean, you mentioned it. There's so much history on some sure. of those stages, you know, going back, you know, some of these places have been open since the sixties and seventies, you know, so you know, you can just look back at the, you know, who performed there. Man, you're sharing the stage or you're on the stage with, you know, Metallica once played here or this band or that band once played here. I mean, it's it's so rich in history. I mean, I mentioned the Troubadour. I mean, when you hear yeah. the, you know, if you're a rock fan or you're in a rock band, you hear the name the Troubadour. I mean, you see those images from the 60s and 70s. You know, you you know that history that that place has. And, you know, I, I'm like you, you, I love the unique space. I love the unique qualities of each of those clubs, you know, whether it's a, you know, a bar type of club or whether it's just a straight rock club, they all have got a uniqueness to it. And, you know, it's different than, it's a totally different vibe than when you walk into a stadium or you walk into an arena, you know, where it's very cookie cutter. It's kind of the same thing. Some places sound better than other places, but you know, there's really no intimacy in those places, right? There's really no, you know, personality. You know, you don't get that vibe, you know, in a in a 25,000-seater as you do when you walk into, like, a 300-capacity you know capacity place or a 250-capacity place, you know, where you can smell the beer being popped at the bar. You can smell the sweat, and, you know, you can see the eyebrows of the people performing on stage, and that's awesome. Oh, it's great. It's the best. Is there is there, you know, a plan once you guys are ready to play or once you guys can play? Do you guys have that already in the fold of what to do or is it kind of still a wait and see approach because you know, who knows what's going to happen? It's a lot of the wait and see, but I mean, our our goal is we need to get on some stages and and you know, well, we we want to share our music with people that want to hear it. Um, and playing live is so much fun, uh, especially when we're going to these places that you're that we're mentioning that are hopefully still around. Uh, but other than just the goal of playing live, I mean, it's, we're just taking it uh, day by day and just using our time to, to write. You know, by the time we get to go out and play, maybe we'll have two albums to promote. You know. Yeah, that was my next question. I mean, obviously, with this album just coming out here in the spring. 
you know, you mentioned you're, you're writing music as you're, you know, in your house and, and not really doing much. I mean, can we expect another Bad Guys Win album sooner rather than later? Yeah, probably. I would say, uh, you know, if everything goes well and according to plan, I would say 2021, um, we thought we'd be able to hammer something out. Uh, but just being pretty positive about it, I mean, who knows, but um, like I said, writing's not writing's not a, the challenge for us. Like it, it would just be, you know, getting together and, and figuring things out and making sure we flush it all out and then all the, uh, well, the recording process and stuff. Uh, I think, yeah, we, we could probably do it within the next year and a half. Yeah, because that's the interesting part too. You know, people, you know, like yourself, musicians are basically, you know, in in the house all day or not being able to do much. Bands have held on to albums that maybe were going to be released in April, May, and June. You know, I foresee a lot of great music coming out as a result of this, and I think that's one thing to be excited about as a music fan that. You know, there'll be some that, you know, didn't, but there'll be a lot that, you know, hey, you know, picking up the guitar, writing songs while they're cooped up in their house and then maybe releasing material that, uh, you know, like I said, sooner rather than later. I think that's a great thing for everybody. Absolutely. And it's it's just a great time to, I mean, it's always a good chance, time to check out new music, but, you know, if you, if you have extra hours in your life uh, to fill with, some sort of media there's so much great music out there to find and uh you know why not utilize it that way i agree 100 percent. i i love talking about new bands and new music i get frustrated with the pushback from people y'all you know there hasn't been any good rock since like 88 or 92 whatever year they want to choose and i always disagree i always push back on that and now is the perfect time for you to sit down in your house, you've probably binge watched all the shows you can possibly binge watch at this point, and now it's time to binge on some new music. And I think, you know, right on. I think uh, you know a band like Bad Bad Guys Win or other artists that we've had in the new music spotlight. Check them out because I think you're missing out on a lot of new great rock music that's out there. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's just that it's just at your fingertips. It's, it's out there. It's. <laughs> It's been a long time since 88 and 92. There's a lot of good stuff out there. We have the internet now to find it. I agree. I agree, man. Well, Shane, it's been a pleasure. Thanks for doing this. Once again, everybody, that's Shane Sherman, the vocalist and guitar player for Bad Guys Win. Their new album, Cowards, is out and available everywhere. And go check it out. It's really cool. I mean, if you like you know the the grungy revival is that they want to claim you know to 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 be and try to um you know play that type style of music for all those grunge fans out there and also rock fans out there you'll definitely like it so go check out the album thanks again Shane for doing the doing the show thank you very much for having me all right everybody once again this is Jay Scott this is the Hook Rocks the Ultimate Rock Community podcast hope everybody stays safe stay healthy we'll talk again soon thank you
It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. 